Well, good morning, Bethlehem. Thank you so much for having me here. It is a joy. And I did, yes, I did give him those descriptions. Uh, so let me help you with that. My, um, so the PowerPoint, do we actually have that first one? Let's actually, I spelled out my name phonetically. Um, oh, <laughs> oh, that's not working. All right, so let's just go with it. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Uh, so my name is Shegun. Um, I spelled it out phonetically, but you can't see that. But it's uh, Shegun Ayabusi. And no, that is not an Italian name, in case you're wondering. Um, I am a Nigerian-American. I was born in D.C., but I grew up here in the United States. And uh, my name often confuses people, because when people hear my name and they hear my accent, they're like, that just doesn't fit. Like, you don't quite sound African. So every now and then, I will start to speak like this to make people feel comfortable so that I know that I am, all right? So usually I do that when telemarketers call and I don't want to speak with them switch up my accent, um, but I am me. Um, so I am one of the teaching pastors at Grace Church in Netcong. I've actually been on staff at Grace Church, Grace Church since 2005, and I've been serving as a volunteer since, 2000, uh, since 1997. I am married. My lovely wife couldn't be here this morning, um, but two weeks ago marks 10 years since we've been married. Yeah, we, yes, yes. And I checked with her, and she still likes me, so that's a win. Um, her name is Modupe. It's funny because I, half of it is on the screen. The other half is on this confidence monitor. So y'all can't see what I'm seeing. It's weird. I'm seeing the other half. So trust me, I know my wife's name, okay? Um, together, we have three beautiful children, um, Nathaniel, Ethan, and Rachel. They're seven, five, and two. And if you have young kids, you know what this means. I have not slept in 10 years or seven years. Looking forward to that. Um, so I've actually had the opportunity to be a part of one of your ministries here at Bethlehem in the past. Um, you all used to host a ministry called SALT. I believe it was for singles. And I had the opportunity to teach some of your young adults, perhaps some of your children or family members. And man, it was a joy then. It's still a joy to be serving here with you this morning. So thank you for having me here this morning. Um, this morning, I'm going to walk us through a Bible story, a, a story in the gospel of Luke chapter 17 that has been particularly meaningful, spiritually meaningful to me this year. And certainly my prayer is that it will stir up in you a greater love for Jesus Christ, Luke chapter 17. And so let me, let me set it up this way. Um, a little while back, something Something began to strike me as being off about my prayer life. Something felt off about my prayer life. I began to pick up on a pattern in my prayer life, and I began to realize that most of the things I was asking God for, most of my prayers, revolved around a list of things that I needed God to do for me, like yesterday. Like it was just boom, boom, I need this, I need this, I need this, which, I mean, ordinarily that's not a bad thing, right? Like what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, 11, he says, My, our Father in heaven gives good gifts to those who ask, right? Nothing wrong with that. But as I observed and I paid attention to my prayer life, what became clear or what was lacking in my prayers was what I would describe as a, 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 an enjoyment of God's presence, Right? Like what was lacking was an was a intimacy where I was conversing with him, just quieting things down, just to get to know him for him. Let me, let me use a parenting illustration to explain exactly what was happening. Uh, imagine that your son or your daughter 
or maybe your grandson or your granddaughter uh, cuddles up to you one morning or one afternoon, one evening. They cuddle up right next to you. They look you in the eye and, and tell you how much they love you and appreciate you. And right when they have you, they go, yeah, uh, I need 50 bucks. And, and then the next day they walk in and they give you a big bear hug. I mean, it's just one of those where they shake. I mean, it just feels good and warm. And they tell you how faithful a parent you've been and how loving a parent you've been. And they're like, I need a new iPhone also. And then that same evening they come back from the Apple store and they're sitting right next to you. And they look deep in your eyes and said, Mom, I never noticed how beautiful your eyes are. Oh, Dad, that's a great haircut, Dad. By the way, I need new, I need new sneakers, Dad. Right? Like, like, it's not about the relate. Like, sometimes, sometimes that's what our prayers sound like to God. Right? It's no longer about the relationship, it's about the stuff. And that's what it was for me for a while. So, in today's message, through the story in Luke, Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 17, I want to impress on your heart this big idea. This is sort of the central theme that will guide our discussion from this passage this morning. And it's this that we are to seek wholeheartedly after God and not just the gifts from God. Let me say that again. You and I, in our relationship with Jesus Christ, are to make it our priority to seek wholeheartedly after God and not just the gifts from God. Gifts aren't bad, but make sure you're seeking Him to get to know Him more. So Luke chapter 17 Starting from verse 11, here's what the Word of God says. Now, speaking of Jesus, it says, On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Verse 12, Luke 17. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus's feet and thanked them. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? We're the other nine. Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So from this short passage, um, there are three ways I I would say that you and I are seek after God and not just gifts from God. I'm going to give all three of them to you. Then we'll spend the rest of the morning working through each one, okay? So the first way is this, is to call out to God in humility The second way is to walk in obedient faith. And the third way is to live with constant gratitude. And and man, these are, I mean, if you do these three in 2019, that's a win already, okay? So let's walk through each one of them, starting with, number one, um, calling out to God in humility. First thing I want you to notice about these 10 lepers is that um, they had a skin disease, which, by the way, was the most feared disease in the world, in their time, for three reasons. Number one is that leprosy at that time was deadly, so it was a fatal disease. It was incurable, and it was contagious. 
It was also the kind of disease that immediately made you a social outcast. You became ceremonially unclean. So um, back then, if you had leprosy and you were around people, you would have to announce before people came near to you, unclean, unclean, so people know to keep a safe distance from you. Because if you had this disease, you, you were actually banished from society. You were put on the outskirts of society so that your disease wouldn't spread and infect the entire community. So social banishment for a leper meant that the only community of friends a leper could have were other lepers, which explains why there's 10 of them on the outskirts of town calling out to help for Jesus, who is going between two towns. Now, what I want you to notice is that when they call out to Jesus, I think it's very interesting that they don't ask Jesus or demand of Jesus, heal us. But what do they do? They ask Jesus what? Have pity. Have pity on us. In other words, they, they, though they recognize that in him, in Jesus, was the power, or in him was the power to give them what all the other doctors in their day had not been able to give them, though they understood that, because that's why they're calling out to him, they also recognize, or they're also thinking to themselves, what are the chances that someone as holy as him would take the time to interact with someone like us? So there's a mixture of hope, but also a sense of unworthiness. Like, we know you're powerful. We've heard stories. We've heard about you bringing people back to life. We've heard about you feeding thousands with just five loaves of bread and two fish. We've heard the stories. But man, uh, we know we're not worthy. And, and listen, from these men, in, in just their request, here's what we learn. That prayer is not an exercise in self-congratulations. Prayer is not an exercise in self-congratulations where, where we recite how hard we've been working to win God's approval. In other words, here's what your prayers should not sound like. When you come to God, you probably shouldn't start by saying, well, God, you know how hard I've been working. You know how much I've been trying to be like Jesus. So could you help me out? Like, like we don't ever come to God like that. You know what that is? That's not prayer. You know what that is? That's a negotiation. You don't negotiate with the God of all creation. You come humbly. You come humbly before God. So calling out to God in humility means that when we pray, we start off recognizing who he is, who we are, and this bridge that Christ has built between us and him. When we pray, we come to God saying, Lord, I am here first and foremost to acknowledge that anything good in me is a result of your loving grace poured in my life. And like, that's the first step. Like, you want to get prayer right in 2019? Start with humility. You don't need big words. There's no secret formula to how to come to God. The secret sauce, I propose, is to come in humility. Psalm 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So, the first step in seeking after God, and not just gifts from God, is to call out to God in prayer in humility. The second step is to, what I would describe as, learn to walk in obedience. Or even more specifically, learn to walk in obedience to what God has already instructed you to do. Let's move on to the story. Verse 14, it says, When he saw them, that's Jesus, when he saw them, he said to them, 
go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, you need to know that Christ is at a distance from them. They're calling out to him, right? And so it's, think about that story for a second. Does it not strike you as odd that instead of walking over to them physically and touching them, which he's done in the past. There, there are different accounts in the Bible where Jesus touches people who are ceremonially unclean because he himself is life. When he touches a dead body, it comes back to life. When he speaks to dead Lazarus, he comes back to life. When he touches people who are sick, his, his holiness, his, his life flows into them. So he's done it before, but he doesn't do that here. Nor does he speak and say, you were healed. Instead, he does something that at least on the surface seems odd. Jesus, heal us, have pity on us. He says to them, go show yourselves to the priest in the temple. It's just an odd instruction. It's odd because the only reason why a leper would dare go near a priest or would even think about going to a temple to show himself to a priest is after they've been healed, not before. The reason why a priest, a a leper would show himself to a priest is so that the priest could approve him that he's ceremonially clean, he is healed, and would readmit him back into the community. Only the priest had the authority to do that. But that was after they'd been healed. When Jesus tells these men to go show themselves to the priest, they're not healed yet. They're still lepers. Like what Jesus tells them to do is tantamount to you coming up to me and asking me for financial help. And I say to you, go show yourself to the bank manager at Fulton Bank in Ledgewood. <laughs> exactly. Like some of you are like, that makes no sense. That's the point. Right? Like it makes no sense. Like I didn't put money in your account. But then Jesus exactly knew what he, Jesus knew what he was doing. What Jesus was doing to these men was basically telling them, listen to this, he was instructing them to act by faith. Jesus was telling them to act by faith, to to act on a reality that has not yet arrived. In order to get healed, they would first need to be obedient to what Jesus told them to do. You want to get the healing? Get going. It'll meet you along the way. And something profound happens. Because as these men obeyed Jesus, right? So, I mean, put yourself in that scenario. They cry out to Jesus. Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. They discuss among themselves where he's Jesus. Let's just trust him. And so they start going. And the first step towards Jerusalem to the temple, nothing happens. And then they take the second step. Man, we're still lepers. And then they take the third step. Nope, we still got it in our bodies. And then at some point in their journey, as they're walking toward Jerusalem, something supernatural begins to happen, right? And here's, what, here's how Scripture describes it. Instantly, miraculously, all ten of them. Like, like, that's huge if you've never considered that. Like, oftentimes Jesus will heal one person at a time. All ten of them, one moment, instantly healed. Like every sore on their body, every ache, every boil, every skin, eruptive skin infection, suddenly, verse 14 says, and as they went, they were cleansed. There is a powerful lesson that you and I can learn from these 10 lepers, and it's this. When you are obedient, right? Like like many of us, many of us, including myself, We want new revelation from God. 
We want God to show us what to do next. We want new insight from God. But here's the fact. When you are obedient to what God has already instructed you to do, and you act on faith to obey what he's told you to do, God will begin to move the mountains in your life. Let me say that again. Because I'm convinced if you lock onto that statement I just made, it could revolutionize your spiritual walk with Jesus. When you are obedient to what God has already instructed you to do, right? So, so think about what God's been speaking to your personal life, your relationship with him over the course of the year. What's he been telling you to stop doing, do more of, do less of, step into? When you're obedient to what God has already instructed you to do and your faith moves you to action, God himself will begin to move what feel like a mountain in your life. So the question is, what is that for you? Don't yell it out. What instructions in your walk with the Lord? What has God already been calling you to do? Let's take a moment and just take an inventory of your own personal life. And, and, and listen, what path of disobedience are you presently on that you need to get off and start walking in obedience? Because these 10 men had to get going before they experienced this profound transformation in their lives. As we launch into 2019, man, my encouragement to you is, let's walk in obedient faith to what God's already instructed us to do. New revelation will come. God will show more of himself to you. But, but what you're looking for may be found in being obedient to what he's already said. So that brings us, so the first point is um, the way we seek after God and not just gifts from God is to, number one, um, call out to God in humility. The second way is to walk in obedient faith. And the third one is, I mean, it's quite simple. It's this, just live with constant gratitude. Live with constant gratitude. Live with constant gratitude. Look at verse 15. So they've gotten their healing, right? Ten of them are celebrating. They're high-fiving each other. They're checking each other. Oh, man, I'm healed. You're healed. That's awesome. Let's go party, right? But, but then verse 15 says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, right? So, so they, they are a significant distance away from Jesus. It says one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. And he came back praising God. I love this. He, he is not praising God in the silence of my heart. He is, he is at the top of his lungs giving praise to Jesus Christ, giving praise to God. Verse 16 says, he threw himself at Jesus's feet and thanked him. And then I love this. Scripture points out, and he was a Samaritan. We'll get back to that in a second. Verse 17, Jesus then says to him, were not all 10 cleansed? Where, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And Jesus says to him, rise, go. Your faith has made you well. All right, so here's what's happening here. Luke is the author of this gospel. And Luke is very intentional in giving us the details in this story. Like when, Ju when, when Luke points out to us, the author of the gospel of this book, Luke, when he says that this guy was a Samaritan, that was supposed to create a, a shocking response with the Jewish audience. Like the Jews listening to him are supposed to go, oh, like, like he's a Samaritan? Like, like that was supposed to, it's supposed to be like a jolt because, why? Because Jews despised Samaritans. 
The Jews look down on them as being spiritually inferior. In fact, the Jews sometimes refer to them as dogs or, or spiritual half-breeds. So there's this enmity going on between these two people groups, right? Um, um, and they don't really like each other. And so Luke is making the point that the one guy who came back is the one, like, like Luke was saying, the one who was least expected to be thankful is the one who was most grateful. And isn't that true sometimes of our Christian life? As followers of Jesus Christ, we have received more than all we could ever ask or imagine. But man, we might just be lacking in gratitude. Now, the question I think that flows out of this is, okay, why did the other nine not come back? Right? Like, like, that's a legit question. Why did the other nine not come? Even Jesus himself asked that same question in verse 17. Jesus is like, there's 10 of y'all, like only one? And just a foreigner returned? Well, the easy and the quick answer to the question that Jesus asked and that we're asking is this, is that those nine were actually doing what Jesus told them to do. They're going to the temple to show themselves to the priest. So here's how it happens. Um, they got what they wanted from Jesus and chose to move on. Thank you, Jesus. High five. Good job. Thank you for healing me. See you later. They go off to the temple to go get your approval from the priest so they can just start living their lives, be admitted back into society. And you could almost make a case like, well, they were doing what they said, except for the fact that this one guy this one guy was so grateful, not simply for, for the healing he received, but he's grateful for the one who healed him. Remember, these guys are social outcasts. Physically, they're probably in pain constantly because leprosy is a painful disease. His whole life, he struggled with this, and this one man takes the time to extend to him healing. And so in his gratitude, I, I, I have to imagine that conversation with the 10 other guys. There, the nine other guys are like, we got to go to the temple. He said to go. And this guy's like, I, I can't, guys. I got to go back. Do you understand? No one's ever taught. No one talks to us. No one stops long enough. No one. All our, we've spent all our money on our doctors. No one's healing us. I'm sorry, fellas. I, before we go to the temple, I got to go back. I got to go say thank you. And he does just that. He goes back to Jesus, and he, I love the description that Luke, he says, he, he pours out his praise, like he, he la think about the term lavish, right? Like he just lavishes praise on Jesus. He doesn't care who's looking at him. Throws himself at Jesus' feet, the son of God who just showed a leper love and grace. He, in one moment of his life, experienced glory. And he says, I, I got to go back and give some praise to my king. So let's personalize this for a moment. I want you to think over the last, let's do, let's do 2018. It's coming up. It's going to end tomorrow. So let's just go there. Um, I want you to think over this year, what provisions in your life? So, so think, I, I, think back to January 2018. What were you and your family praying to God for in January this year? What tears did you shed in May, June, July that you were trusting God for? 
What did you ask that God, would you provide this for me? Would you meet with me here? Or would you start that process? What has, so, so the question is, as you think back to what God has done, the question is, what provisions in your life do you need to turn back to God and, and praise him for? Like, where do you need to lavish your praise on God? God did some things in your life this year that you just, oh, thank you, and you've moved on. And, and maybe for us, the breakthrough in our lives simply needs to happen. Let, let's start giving praise to God for what he's done. And in case you're wondering how to do that, I want you to take a look at this guy for a second. Because there is no, he's not being shy about his praise, right? He's, he's, lab, he's, he's verbally loud. He's physically demonstrative as he bows at Jesus' feet. I'm not saying throw yourself on the floor in church. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but, but here's one practical way to really express your thankfulness to God. You can be vocal to others in your life about what God has done. Sometimes the way you will, the way that God will win people to Christ through your testimony is not you trying to argue about how Christ died on the cross, and certainly that's the center of the gospel, but sometimes it starts by you simply telling them, I just want to tell you what God did for me this year, this month, yesterday. <laughs> for some of y'all, what God did this morning on your way to work, uh, on your way to church. Just give praise to God for those things, for providing you. And, and ultimately for saving you, right? For inviting you into his family. I think what may be the most amazing aspect of this story is what Jesus says to this one leper in verse 19, the one leper who comes back. Jesus says to him, after he's healed him, Jesus said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Which is an odd thing for him to say, because I'm like, I'm sorry, I, I, I thought he was healed already. Like, what's he talking about? Well, the Greek translation of verse 19 literally reads, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. So, so here's what it's saying. Whereas all 10 of them received physical healing, this one guy, because he sought after God, not just the gifts from God, he received an added spiritual bonus. How many of y'all like bonuses? I, really, is there anyone who doesn't like a bonus? I don't know why you need to raise your hands. I'll take a bonus any day, right? Like this guy got a spiritual bonus. In other words, Jesus just gave him eternal life. So all 10 of them got healed physically. One of them got saved. Like this, this one guy, it could be said he received immeasurably more than what he could have dared to ask or imagine. Like when he woke up that morning, I'm pretty sure he wasn't thinking, at two o'clock today, I'm gonna be healed. And then at 2.15, I'm gonna be a part of God's eternal family. Yet that's exactly what happened. Why? Because he, he paused long enough. He not only called out in humility, he not only obediently did what Jesus told him by faith, but man, he, he he, he had a heart of gratitude for what God had done. Brothers, sisters in Christ, when you and I wholeheartedly seek after God and not just the gifts from God, you'll experience spiritual breakthroughs. So we're going to launch into 2019 in less than 48 hours or something like that. All right. So, so as we do, um, 
What adjustments do we need to make in 2019 in your personal life? What adjustments do you need to make in your relationship with God? For some of you, it may simply start with an attitude adjustment where you humble yourself before God. And and instead of you trying to lead God and get him to get on your program, personally, in your personal life, perhaps it's time to let God be God and let him lead. And perhaps out of all three of them, this is probably the hardest. Because I don't know about you, but I like to be in control. The king of my own destiny. Until I get a headache. Right? And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm not in control of my life as I think I am. The second question is, for those of you, perhaps it's time for you to, well, like, where do you need to step out in faith? Right? Um, sometimes we need to step out in faith and, and the Lord meets with us. Like, we need to get going toward the temple and then we experience what God's going to do. And then thirdly, for others, 2019, perhaps you just simply need to be more thankful. What do you need to be more grateful for? Would you allow me to pray for us as we transition back into worship? All right, let's do that. Lord Jesus Christ, oh, I thank you so much, Lord. God, I thank you for, for the rich history, Lord. I think about uh, this Facebook post, Lord God, on, um, that I saw about Bethlehem with Ellen and just the history of this church the work you've done in times past, um, the men and women that you have led to yourself and have sent around the world, and the faithfulness of the people here. God, I praise you. I bless you on behalf of the work you have done and are doing in Bethlehem. We worship you and we thank you for it. God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in here this morning. I thank you for their faithfulness to you. So, Spirit of God, I pray that you would work mightily in each and every one of our hearts. And, Father, deepen our love for you. May our lives become about our relationship with you and not just the things we can get from you. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that where it is that we need to be humbled, Lord, that you would gently, Lord, lovingly humble us before your throne. That we would come off the seat of the throne of our lives and welcome you, on the throne of our lives. I pray that you would help us walk by faith, that where we've simply been waiting for you to show us every single step, that we would begin to trust you and, and, and walk obediently um, to what you've already instructed us to do and also by faith in those areas where we haven't yet seen you. And then, Lord, once again, I pray that you would help us be a thankful people Lord, that, that in all circumstances we would give thanks because we belong to you and we know that your spirit always guides us and that we are always within the bubble of your sovereign care. So, Lord, we love you. As we launch into 2019, we pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ would saturate every aspect of the work that's being done in this church, that it would saturate the ministry of the gospel in this region, and that the name of Jesus Christ would be lifted high here at Bethlehem, at Randolph, in New Jersey, and across the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.